You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. So good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the CCB GTT call for Wednesday, October the 14th. Uh, It's my great pleasure to introduce Wayne Antle to talk to us about using a Mac computer, how he chose to use a Mac and and how he uses the Mac. And I know there's a few other Mac users on this call that um, will chime in as well. So thanks, Wayne. So uh, take it away and you. Okay, thanks, Kim. I'm really happy to be here to talk to you about the Mac. I am, uh, I love using the Mac. And uh, what I want to do today is, uh, is, uh, oh, well, I've got to try to close something here first because my computer is talking. I'm just going to, there we go. Okay, I want to do the, what I'll do is I'll cover uh, basically why I chose, started, chose to start using the Mac. I'll also go over why I prefer the Mac and just a brief overview of, of what I use my Mac computer for. And then I'll touch on what I feel are some of the disadvantages in case somebody is thinking, you know, uh, will I switch from Windows to the Mac? And then I'll give a basic uh, overview of voiceover. And I'll also talk about some of the advanced features. And uh, then uh, I'll end with uh, uh, sort of where you can get help in using uh, VoiceOver with the Mac and then open it to questions if that work, works for everybody. But if anybody wants to jump in, uh, if you know, they have a question along the way, uh, I, you know, it doesn't matter, you can, you can chime in with a question. So just to begin, uh, just a little bit of a description of the Mac with VoiceOver. When you purchase a Mac computer, it, VoiceOver is built in just in the same way that it's built into all Apple products, whether it's the phone, the watch, the Apple TV. And so there is no additional software to download or purchase. And you activate VoiceOver uh, by pressing Command F5. Now, for those of you who have a Windows computer, uh, the layout of the Apple keyboard is a little bit different. Instead of having a control, an alt windows and control keys, you have a command control and option keys uh, to the left of the spacebar and a function key if you have a laptop. So it's a little bit different layout. But with any Mac, just by pressing the command F5, you turn on voiceover. Uh, so it is, it is built in. It's part of the operating system, and there's pros and cons to that. Um, so I actually was a Windows user. When I was working, I used uh, Windows with JAWS, used Microsoft Office, and even when I was low vision, I used Windows right from, I think my first Windows computer was Windows 3.1, right up until Windows 7. I was using Windows. And then in 2011, when I lost my sight, I got an iPhone. And I started thinking about a Mac. 
and I actually got it as a Christmas gift in 2013. And this is the same Mac that I'm using now, seven years old. Um, so I decided, well, I wanted, I'll, I'll learn the Mac. So I forced myself to use it instead of the Windows computer that I had. And there's a steep learning curve, but I, I came to love the Mac and uh, prefer it uh, certainly over Windows. Um, and I'll give you some reasons why I prefer it. First, the, uh, and I touched on it already, the operating system and the screen reader are integrated. So there's full integration of the screen reader and the operating system. It's not, a, it's not an add-on. Uh, integration with other Apple products. So I'm in the Apple ecosystem. Uh, I have an iPhone, an Apple TV, and, and the Mac. And they work great together. For instance, uh, if I'm, uh, if I'm uh, charging my phone and somebody phones me, my computer will ring and I can answer the call on my Mac. I can send text messages and iMessages on my Mac linked to my iPhone. So there's, there's a complete integration. If I do a playlist or uh, with music, with Apple Music, uh, it will update instantly on all my devices. So I, I love that integration. And I find now that I'm using a Mac, I find the operating system, uh, Mac OS, to me, it's easier to use than Windows, especially when I'm changing settings and, uh, and getting into the nuts and bolts of uh, having to change preferences. And now this could be, the, could be that just I'm used to using the Mac now, but when I go back to using Windows, I find it really difficult and clunky to use. Uh, and when you get a Mac, it comes with built-in apps for, uh, for mail, uh, for the internet, Safari, for uh, playing music. It's music. It used to be iTunes. Um, it also comes with a pretty powerful and yet easy-to-use word processor called TextEdit, uh, which I use. And you can also get their... Apple's version of the Office Suite, which is uh, uh, Pages, Numbers, and uh, Keynote, which is sort of their equivalent to Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Uh, so all those are free, and uh, they're part of when you buy the Mac. I believe you might have to go in and actually download the Office Suite, but it is free, and uh, so that's, it's no additional cost to, to buy those. And uh, I also, Twitter, I find it's easy to use on the Mac with the program that, that I use called Night Owl or the other, which the, or sometimes your Yoruku. <laughs> but it's, I find that easy. Uh, I like browsing Twitter using that program. It's not built in, but it's a free app. So that's just some of, of why I, I prefer the Mac. What I use my Mac for mainly, because I use my phone principally now for for most tasks, 
but I still, some things I like doing on a computer. Um, I use it for web browsing. Uh, I, well, I use my phone and my Mac for web browsing, but uh, I find VoiceOver is great for, for browsing the web uh, using Safari and occasionally Chrome uh, on the Mac. But VoiceOver works good with both. Um, using emails, I find the email reader on the Mac is works well for me. Uh, and I prefer, if I have to send a longer email, I much prefer to do it on a computer than on a phone using dictation or the, the uh, on-screen keyboard. Uh, I use Twitter, as I said, on my Mac and on my phone, but I, I just like using it on the Mac. I think it's, it's easier. And I, I, I love music and collect a lot of music. I have an Apple Music account. And I've used uh, iTunes on Windows and the Mac, and I much prefer it on the Mac. And I've used TextEdit to prepare documents. And it's a simpler version of Pages, but it, it has certainly all the features that I need if I'm, if I'm writing a document. And I've also, I, I'm an accountant, so I have used spreadsheets. And Numbers is very usable with VoiceOver. And I have used numbers to create spreadsheets. So that's just sort of touching on what, what I do with my Mac. And I should say that I am totally blind, so I'm not relying on the screen at all. I'm using VoiceOver for these tasks. So, uh, so what the, there are some disadvantages. If, if you're thinking on switching to a Mac, these are some disadvantages that, that I would note anyway. Macs are expensive relative to PCs. Um, certainly if you buy JAWS, they're not. But you can buy a PC uh, for probably half the price and uh, it'll come with the you can get a free screen reader, which is a powerful screen reader, NVDA, and the screen reader that's built into Windows has greatly improved. I, from just, you know, I've only used it occasionally. Uh, I don't know if it's as powerful as VoiceOver, but it does, you know, Windows is now usable without having to purchase jobs. So it is cheaper to have a Windows computer. Uh, for productivity and work, in my experience, JAWS with Microsoft Office is the gold standard. Uh, when I was working and I had to do a lot of reviewing and writing documents and reports, um, I used JAWS and it was amazing what, what it could do. Uh, I don't need to do that now. So uh, I think if you really are focused on, if you're working, or, you know, you're doing a lot of tasks, what I would call productivity tasks, whether you're, you know, uh, writing a lot of documents that you have to share. Uh, most people are using Windows computers. So uh, it would be a bit of a disadvantage to have a Mac for that. Um, the screen reader can be updated independently of the operating system. And like a, that's a pro and a con. Like with, with the Mac, it's where it's so integrated. When the operating system is updated, uh, so is the screen reader. 
but that also can mean that if there's a bug or if there's a problem, it won't get fixed till the next update. Uh, with screen, when the screen reader is independent, of course, it can get its own update. So that would be an advantage of, of let's say, NV, using Windows with NVDA or JAWS. The other disadvantage is it can be a steep learning curve because if you've only used Windows, then you have to unlearn Windows as an operating system and learn the Mac, Mac OS and at the same time, you have to learn a new screen reader. So uh, there will be frustration, guaranteed, and it, it is a, a bit of a learning curve to switch. In my mind, it was well worth it, um, you know, but, but it is, you know, be prepared for, uh, for some frustration in the, in the changeover. If you haven't, if it's your first computer, then you don't, have to, I guess, unlearn all the Windows uh, Windows stuff. So, and and JAWS or NVDA, you can start fresh, and it would be a great choice. So that's that's a little bit on on why I like the Mac. I can go into now um, some of the basics of of voiceover. And uh, does anybody have any questions before I move into that? So, uh, Wayne, I'm also a Mac Mac user, and uh, so could you maybe talk to the other people about the pros and cons of uh, like having enough spacing, like a big enough hard drive to possibly partition your computer so you can run Mac OS and Windows? Like, because that's what I have to do. Because I now work at home, I I end up working in both environments with the work I've been doing. So it's uh, um, so when I upgraded my Mac a few years ago, I, I, I decided to get one with a big enough drive so I could partition it and and get the best and worst of both worlds, as, so to speak, on the same machine. What I've heard from people who have ran both Windows and Mac OS on their Mac is that Windows actually runs better on the Mac than it does on some PCs. It it. It does. It does definitely run. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like so, it, to get the same performance out of the of the equivalent PC, you almost have to spend as much as as, as yeah. you would on a Mac, anyway. So that's yeah. one thing to keep in mind. That Windows, the 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 cheaper the computer that you're buying, Windows computer you're buying, the yeah. poorer the performance Windows will have, especially with Windows 10 now, because Windows 10 is is a bit of a like it's 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 for as far as Windows goes, it's it's a great operating system, but it is still right. a little top heavy as well too. So. Um, yeah, I had a, a comment about that before we started, and you weren't here yet, Richard. Jean, who's thinking about getting a Mac, who's on this call, was mentioning that she had heard, and I have heard too, that when the new chips come out for the Mac, you won't be able to do both systems. But I'm imagining that VMware Fusion or one of those programs would update itself so that it would be possible. I don't know if you know any more I about that. I don't know if it would or not. It, it's, it'll, be, it'll be interesting to see because the, the new Apple silicate uh, Apple chips won't be able to run Windows. They're going to run Mac and Linux and because Mac is actually yeah. based on Linux anyhow. So they they won't run Windows, uh, but they say they're going to still release some Intel versions of the Mac probably for yeah. the next few years. But uh, um, but the um, yeah, so if you're when you if if you're buying a new a brand new Mac, let's say starting next year, you have to be careful that you don't buy the uh, that you make sure you buy an Intel based version if you want to yeah. run both Mac operating yeah. systems. 
Because yeah. right I, now that is sort of a problem, Mac, I guess, uh, with the Intel chips, is that you can run both on one machine, whereas you can't run a Mac, Mac OS on a Windows machine. But I've also heard as well that the Office Suite for Mac, which used to be totally inaccessible, is much more accessible now. So do you actually have to run the Windows system or can you use Outlook and like Office 365? Yeah. Do either of you know that? I don't because um, I use the, the I use the actual Apple product. So I downloaded the Office 365 from a, a Mac, uh, and and the interface was different enough that I still, when I'm using Office products, still prefer the Windows environment, especially with Excel because that's that's the one product in Office that I um, that I that I I found the Mac version a little more challenging. Now I haven't I never did try Numbers. I tried Pages and Keynote, but I never did try Numbers on the Mac because I I thought when when I when they when Microsoft launched an accessible version of Office 365 for the Mac, I installed it thinking Excel would operate very similar to the way it does on Windows, but it, it's it's a little different and it's a little clunkier as well too. Yeah. I found. What are the real differences from a sort of from a logical and intuitive basis in the uh, operating systems between Windows and Mac. And so my background also is I have 30 years on the Windows machine, lost my vision, switched over to the Mac. Um, I haven't found that much difference, I'm, uh, partly maybe because I have a computer background, so I go like yeah. one level deeper. But, you know, I'm not finding that much difference. I mean, there's, you know, different keystrokes to do the yeah. same thing. But in terms of the function, you know, it's it, the functions are the same, it's just different keystrokes. Is that the steep learning curve you're um, talking well, about? Or is there something I that the I, ha curve, I haven't yet discovered? <laughs> okay, no, well, I think if you have an IT background, it, it certainly helps. But there is a big learning curve in terms of... Um, for instance, when you're used to Windows, you're used to looking in Windows Explorer for your files. Uh, there's certain keystrokes for opening a program, uh, like you can hit enter on it, I think, on a Windows computer. If you do that on a Mac, it'll want you to rename the file. Uh, there's all these little differences, but I just found, and again, it could be just me, but when I go into a control panel and, and, uh, and Windows, I find it easier on the Mac going into preference, opening up preferences and going through the preference panes, finding what I want to change and doing it. Uh, to me, it's, it seemed more intuitive than finding it on Windows if I wanted to change the settings. But, uh, and, and as like I said, I don't use Windows that much now, but I know first when I started using the Mac OS, even just finding where my files were and just the layout. It's like there's a little bit of a different layout in, in of course, there's no Windows Explorer, it's Finder. And it's, you know, if you give yourself a little bit of time, it's, it does the same thing as Windows. Um, but some people may find this very confusing if you're a long time Windows user. Hi, Wayne. Um, regarding the learning curve, um, I'm fairly tech savvy. I, I like to think that anyway. But did you find you uh, learned on your own or did you find good uh, learning materials out there for getting some of those key concepts down like the finder feature and the different keystrokes to do the same 
Um, how did you go about yeah. learning it? And do you know I of actually, good resources for learning that are current yeah, I'm gonna and up to date? I'm going to touch on that sort of at the end, the resources. Okay. But I right. basically went with the built-in documentation. And I'll talk a little bit about, I think, Appleviz is one site that I really like. And we can touch on all that at the end. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. So I just want to say one of the things that, that made, for me, the learning curve a lot, a lot easier was... Um, when I got my first Mac, because uh, my, my experience with Apple up to that point was the touchscreen environment from a phone. Yeah. So I turned on the trackpad commander for the yeah. trackpad and found that a lot of the, the screen gestures worked there as well, too. So yeah. if you're getting a, a MacBook or a MacBook Air, it's going to have a trackpad. But if you're going to get a desktop version of the Mac, like either the Mac Mini or an iMac, yeah. or if you have the money, the Mac Pro, um, I would invest in the uh, Magic Trackpad as yeah, well. Yeah, the too. Magic Trackpad. Yeah. Yeah, because it it makes life a lot easier when you're when you're sort of transitioning to your to the Mac environment because yeah. you, you, there, there's some familiarity with the iOS gestures as well. Yeah, and I was going yeah, I'm gonna touch on that when I go over the just the basics of VoiceOver. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, but that's true. I agree with that. When I used a Mac, like, like the two-finger swipe down for continuous yeah. read and like some of those things you already knew and turning oh, the rotor and they're, all they're, that. They're very similar to the iPhone, yeah. Yeah. It really, I, I found within a week or two of playing around with it and I had to force myself, okay, I'm not going back to my Windows computer. You know, I'll, I'll use it to do like my banking on the internet. I'll use it to read emails. And when I forced myself to do that for a week or two, it started to become second nature. And actually now I really have to struggle to think on keyboard stuff for Windows. And, and, and I'll say I use Windows so infrequently. So with, uh, as I said, VoiceOver is built into the Mac. And in my, in my opinion, it's a, it's a very powerful screen reader. Uh, I mean, I'll, it's not as powerful as JAWS in doing all the, uh, you know, the many things JAWS can do for, uh, uh, you know, especially if you're working and doing a lot of sharing documents. But it is, a, it is certainly for home use a very powerful screen reader. Uh, the thing, as with JAWS, VO, uh, I'll say VO for short, that's voiceover, uh, VO commands are initiated by pushing modifier keys. In JAWS, I believe it was the insert key. In Windows, in uh, Mac OS or in VoiceOver, it can be, you can actually customize it. In my case, I'm using the default control and option keys held down together. Uh, that's two keys. Um, to the left of the space bar. The first key is command, then the next two keys to the left are control and option. Holding them down are the modifier keys. So when you hear press the VO key, that's the control option key. You can also set it to be the caps lock key. So holding down the caps lock key could be your VO key. So commands would be initiated by holding down the modifier key and then pressing another key to initiate the command. So, so for example, um, if I wanted to see what programs I had opened, I would hold down control option and press F1. That's the command for seeing 
what programs you're currently running. VO keys plus F2 will tell me what the windows I have opened. Um, actually, uh, the, the biggest part of this learning curve is if you're using JAWS and NVDA, it's learning these keystrokes um, uh, on the new screen reader. Um, now, as with any other screen reader, you can read, uh, you can navigate around the screen by holding down the VL keys and using the arrow keys. Um, you can, you know, uh, jump from different elements. You can use your tab key to, uh, to move from element to element on a web page. Oh, wait on one second. Um, but there is a unique feature that seems to cause, I think it causes a lot of confusion, and it's still confusing to me at times is when I have to interact. The way VoiceOver is set up is if you hold down the VoiceOver modifier keys, in this case, control option for me, and if I'm pressing the right and left arrow keys while I'm holding it down, it's jumping from element to element on the screen. So an element could be a paragraph. Could be a link, could be a form field, uh, could be uh, uh, well, any a button or anything. So when you get to a, for example, if I was arrowing, uh, holding down the voiceover key and pressing the right arrow, and it came to a paragraph, it would read out the paragraph. But if I want to go in and actually read that paragraph line for line or or word by word, I'd have to interact with that element. So by interacting, I would press my voiceover keys and the down arrow, and then I'd be in that paragraph. Now, when I move the arrow keys up, down, left, or right, I'm actually reading the text in the paragraph. I can do it line by line, word by word, letter by letter. Then when I'm done, I would uninteract with that paragraph by pressing the VO keys and the up arrow. And then I'm back to jumping from element to element. Um, I First, I had a lot of trouble with this, but now I like it because it allows me to quickly explore a web page or an area. And then when I want to go in deeper, I'll interact with it. But I do run into confusion sometimes in that uh, normally if you come to a link, you can just press VO and spacebar to activate the link. But occasionally that doesn't work. And I've, try interacting with the link and press the space bar and it'll work. So sometimes it's a little bit glitchy in my mind, but overall, I, I like that way of navigating. Uh, another good use with, with the interaction is when you're going around a page, sometimes you'll come to a toolbar. And then by interacting with the toolbar, you can explore all the buttons in the toolbar, like back, forward, uh, and then when you're finished, just uninteract with the toolbar and you'll keep jumping, moving to the next element. And this is something that it's difficult to explain, but I find when you get used to using voiceover, it almost becomes second nature. Yeah. And, and on the web, if you're internet, if you're, if you're using the internet with Safari, you know how in JAWS and in NVDA, 
you can bring up a list of elements. Like you can look at your list of headings, list of links, list of form fields. You can do the same with VoiceOver. You, it's called a rotor. So if you're familiar with the iPhone, which has a rotor, uh, it's also called a rotor in, uh, on the Mac. And you bring it up by pressing the VO keys again and the letter U. And when the rotor comes up, just by moving the right and left arrow, you'll hear it say links, headings, form fields, buttons. Um, and when you come to the element you want, just by pushing the down arrow, you'll start going down that list. So you can do, you know, look at all the links, all the headings on a web page. And then when you come to the one you want, if you press VO keys plus spacebar, you'll jump right to that link. Now it won't activate it. You'll actually have to activate it then by pressing VO spacebar again. It just brings you to it. Um, And there are, as with other screen readers, there are quick keys that will describe the text. So if you're in a word processing document, for instance, and you're on a word, you want to know more about the text. If you press VO keys and T, it'll give you the font, the color, the size of that text, and paragraph formatting, like center, right, left. So you can get that information. Now, I'm, I'm only touching on some of this. There is a lot. Of, of different functions by pressing the voiceover keys and letters on the keyboard that you can do with voiceover. And obviously in this short of a presentation, I just want to give you a flavor of how the screen reader works and what you can do. Um, the, so that's, that's some of the basics of, once you master in my mind, the interaction, when to interact, uh, with an element to, uh, to and then uninteract, I think you've come, you've, you've grasped 90% uh, of voiceover. And then you get used to, to some of the ways of doing things. Um, there are also uh, advanced features of voiceover. And I'm certainly just going to tell you just what's, what's available. There's a, there's a thing called quick nav. And when you get used to voiceover, this can be really useful. You can initiate it by pressing the right and left arrows at the same time. If you turn on quick nav, for instance, then you don't need to use the voiceover modifier keys if you're on the web page to go headings or links. You can do just like voiceover, uh, just like JAWS. Pressing H will jump heading to heading. Pressing L will jump link to link. Uh, pressing the numbers at the top, like one or two, will, if you press two, you'll go to next heading level two. So turning on quick nav may, I do it sometimes if I'm on a web page, if I want to just jump from a certain heading level, um, or just want to use my computer like I was using JAWS or NVDA. So, uh, that is a feature that you can use. The next one is the trackpad, and this is one Richard mentioned. Uh, if you have a, a MacBook Air or MacBook, you'll have a trackpad on it. You can turn, you can operate VoiceOver using that trackpad. First thing you have to do is turn it on. So you hold down your VoiceOver keys and make the rotor gesture that you're used to on your phone turning clockwise. 
and you'll hear a voiceover say trackpad commander on. When trackpad commander is on, you can use the trackpad to navigate around just like you do on your iPhone. You can swipe right or left to jump from element to element. Uh, you can double tap to activate something. Uh, you can even do the interaction that I talked about with elements by swiping right or left with two fingers. Right will interact, left will, uh, uh, I guess, not interact or deactivate. And uh, you can use the rotor, like to go words, headings, and then flick up and down to jump uh, from heading to heading or link to link. So if you're used to using VoiceOver on your iPhone, this may be a good starting point to learn voiceover. Turn on Track Commander, and you'll find that uh, you know the gestures that you know will work on, track, on the trackpad on your uh, iPad. So it can be a good way to get started with voiceover. Um, and customization, there's a lot of ways you can customize voiceover. By pressing the VL keys, Again, control option or caps lock, depending on what you have set up. And F8 will bring up voiceover utilities. And that will allow you to change things like the uh, speech rate, the verbosity, uh, the language, the uh, how you navigate web pages, tables. There's just a, a whole, uh, a lot of different ways you can customize. Voiceover, and really, once you get used to Voiceover, just by going in and and looking at at what's available, you you might find something that works better for you. Uh, it's uh, again, it's VOF8. You can even, if you're an advanced user, if you like a certain set of Voiceover settings, when you run a certain program, you can set up a thing called activities. So when you, for example, go to the internet your settings will change to your preferred internet settings. Or if you open uh, text edit and you have a different set of settings you like, you can actually have different settings for, uh, for different programs. Then you can set up uh, different key uh, commanders, they call them, like the trackpad commander was one. There's a keyboard commander. You can actually assign key combinations for shortcuts. I have set up some for opening programs, for instance. If I press my right option key, which is the second key to the right of the spacebar, and press M, mail will open. Or if I press that option key and S, Safari will open. Uh, so my most used programs, I have set the shortcut keys. So, uh, uh, you know, that, that's another way of, of making the Mac easier to use. Um, the, the Mac also has a spotlight. If you use the Windows, when you bring up the start menu, you could type in the name of a program and it would, uh, you'd get the name below and you could just open it that way. You can do the same with the Mac. By pressing command spacebar, you'll open up spotlight. And if I wanted to open text edit, for instance, I can just type in text edit, enter, and it will open the program. So, uh, so uh, this is, like I said, this is at a 20, 30,000 feet for, for voiceover without playing with it. But where would you get help? If you bought a new Mac and you wanted to learn voiceover, the first thing, when you turn on your Mac, 
you'll be bought, when you turn on your Mac and VoiceOver is activated uh, for the first time, you'll be bought to the uh, VoiceOver startup tutorial. And you can also invoke this tutorial at any time by pressing the VO keys, the command key, and F8. And that will start the tutorial again. And believe it or not, that tutorial will actually give you enough information to start using VoiceOver on the Mac. Uh, each lesson, it, it actually doesn't take long. And each lesson, they give you a chance to practice in the lesson. And it's very clear. It'll say, like, press the right arrow when you are ready to move to the next lesson. So it's, uh, it, that's how I actually started. That was my first use of VoiceOver, was that startup tutorial. So it gives you enough to move on and learn things. Uh, so certainly, if, you, if you're new to the Mac, uh, go through that tutorial. Secondly, built into VoiceOver, if you press B, O, key, and H, you'll get a list of, of items. The first one is the user manual. The user manual will actually provide complete information um, using VoiceOver, but it also has a chapter on Mac OS basics. And that's actually what I used to learn the Mac first. I read the chapter on Mac OS basics, which talked about you know the how Mac OS was organized, uh, you know dealing with files, dealing with preferences. So that's all in that chapter. And then there are more detailed chapters on navigating the web, navigating documents, uh, using tables. So you can really dive into this built-in user manual to to have a good knowledge of. Uh, of using VoiceOver. There's also a commands help. So when you open that, you'll get a list of categories. And you can look into those categories to see all the commands. Or if you just can't remember what command does, uh, you, you, you want to do something, you can't remember the command. When you open commands help, if you just start typing in, for example, if I'm trying to figure out how to select text and I can't remember, I'll type in select and then I'll be able to arrow down and I'll get all the commands that are associated with selecting. So it's easy to find the command that you're looking for. Um, so, so that's a, as I said, built right into your Mac is a lot of, uh, a lot of information. The other one is Apple's. You're probably, if you have an iPhone, are familiar with Apple Viz. Uh, it's A-P-P-L-E-V-I-S dot com. And they have a lot of resources. Now, the majority is uh, geared to iOS and the iPhone, but there is a lot of information on macOS. And they have a form that you can actually post questions to if you get stumped on how to do something. And the form is organized by, like, iOS, Mac, um, you know, apps, hardware reviews. So you look under the Mac in the forum topic and you can give an idea of what types of questions were posted. Or you can post your own. And uh, I've found that I've usually gotten a reply back pretty quick when I posted a question on Apple Viz. Also, they have a lot of guides that, are, that you can look through. And they have a lot of podcasts. 
most relate to the iPhone, but I have, there are some podcasts on Mac as well. So that's a great resource. Um, and GTT is a great resource. Uh, I know Kim is a Mac user and, uh, you know, uh, it's certainly, uh, we're all here to help if you have questions on, uh, on using the Mac. So that's, that's sort of my overview. I didn't want to get caught in the weeds and going into doing different things, but if anybody has a specific question and I, I'm no expert, I'm still learning as well. Um, before I go, I should mention one other health source and, Jason has it as well. If you want to know what keys do what functions, by pressing the VO and K, you'll turn on keyboard help, and then you can just play around with by pressing the keys. It'll say their name and what they do. So I can press VO, uh, let's say VO Command H, and it'll say go to the next heading. So you can play around with that to learn what the keys do as well. Um, anyway, I think that's enough of me talking. I'll open it up to, uh, to questions, but uh, yeah. you know, I love, I can only say that I love the Mac and, you know, it's the right machine for me. And, uh, you know, if anybody's thinking on, on, on changing, I think if you put the time into learning it up front, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Thank you so much, Wayne. We have a couple hands. I just will yeah. do a little addition because I know Jean is a Braille user and I find very handy some uh, Braille resources from National Braille Press. And okay. one of them is a keyboard shortcuts uh, guide for the Mac in Braille. And I have one for Windows 10 too uh, and iOS. And I just find if you're a Braille user to flip through those guides is handy because they're organized and you can, you can if, you, if that's your preferred um, uh, choice. There's also some Braille books there about getting started with Mac, which I found quite useful. So if you are a Braille user, that's a great thing. But thank you, Wayne. So much. Well, and I just a question for you then with Braille, because I, I had it there and I, I, uh, I meant to go back to it and ask you to comment on it actually. Is Braille, does it work as, um, how does it work with Mac as, a, as compared to with Windows and NVDA and JAWS? Is it, um, you notice it, the difference? I, I don't use it as much with Mac as with an iPhone, but I do know that it's pretty easy to connect Braille displays. You don't have to have any drivers. Um, you go into your voiceover utility and Braille and you can connect a display uh, using that. Um, I find it a little interesting uh, navigating with Braille, but I know now that you can customize Braille keyboard um, things as well. I haven't played with Braille very much on the Mac, but I would like to do more of that um, because I think it could be pretty powerful. Uh, I just, I know that it works. I just can't comment too much yet on that, but I would like to do some of that. Yeah. Your first question is, I made a mistake. It is VO shift down arrow. When you're not pushing it, when you're talking, you, you forget. That okay. to interact is VO, so your instructor's right. It's the VO key shift down arrow to interact and VO shift up arrow to end the interaction. And okay. the way I look at interaction is 
when you're moving around the screen by pressing the VL keys and the right and left arrows, you're, you're moving element to element. But sometimes it's giving you like a macroscope, like you're, you're stepping back from the screen. Then you want to get more detail on an element you're on. So you go VO shift down arrow. Now your voiceover is now tracked in that element. Okay, by pressing the VO left and right keys, you will not leave that element. You're trapped in there. So, for instance, if you interact with a paragraph on a web page, now you're trapped in that paragraph. So you can VO, uh, you don't even need to press VO. You can start using your arrow keys and read the text but you will not leave that area. You're trapped in that paragraph till you leave it. Like you've gone through the door of that paragraph. Then if you are finished with that paragraph, you press VL shift up arrow, you're out of that paragraph. You're back a level above, you're outside it now. So now you, the VL key and the right and left arrow will jump past that paragraph to something else. And I'll give you an example. Let's say you come to a heading. Sometimes you go VL right and it might say a heading, but there'd be a line of text in that heading. If you interact with that heading, then you can read that text word for word, letter by letter. Again, you're trapped in that heading. Uh, then when you're done, you stop interacting by pressing VL shift off arrow. I don't know if that explains it any better, but it's, it's basically you're, you're almost like you're zooming in. That's the way I think on it. So I'm going mm -hmm. around something. Now I'm going to zoom in onto something because I want to explore it in more detail. So I interact with it. Now I'm trapped in that item so I can interact. And sometimes you can have multiple levels of interaction. You know, uh, um, you know, you should go down deeper. Um, but it is something that, again, by it, it will become second nature. But it is hard to wrap your head around it in the beginning. But that's the way I always thought of it as I'm coming in closer. Like to the point that when I'm on Windows, sometimes I don't know how to do that and I wish I could. But you know, you'll run into it, for example, with toolbars. Lots of times, if you're on a web page, for instance, if you stop interacting enough, you'll come right out of the web page. And that'll just be one element, the whole web page. And then by using the right and left arrows, you're jumping to the toolbar the tab bar. So you can actually see those, get to those elements that a sighted person might see at the top of the screen. You're not trapped in the web page by just going that level up. I don't know if that helps or not, but uh, I, I think uh, that helps in the sense that I've been yeah. trying to think it, of it in terms of the Windows analog. And I think you touched on that very maybe that was where I went wrong in the first place was I tried to think of it as opening or closing a window. There's yeah. no real analog in the Windows world. And maybe that's where I went wrong. I have two comments on a question, perhaps uh, an analogy for in Windows for this um, interact function. If you think of the desktop in Windows, you can move around all of the different icons that are on the desktop, but when you want to actually activate something, you have to, you know, hit enter, and then you go down into the app that the icon is for. That it's kind of like what I think is being described for the Mac. You know, you've got 
you've got, you're moving across your screen, you're seeing elements. And if you want to go deeper into it, you do this interact function. Yeah. So I don't know if that helps at all, but that's how I, I see it. Yeah. Okay. The second comment that I have is that um, there's a group in the U.S. who provide free Apple-related voiceover training. They're called the Tech Juggernaut. And in January, they'll be running a month-long course on voiceover on the Mac. And, oh, okay. Okay, their course, the, the course is right now they've just started a voiceover for the iPhone course that's going to run from now till almost Christmas. And I find them very good at, at teaching. So that might be a source for someone who's interested in knowing more about uh, voiceover on the Mac, but don't need it to write immediately. So you might want yep. to tap into them. It's a free course and you can subscribe to the course and, and get in on that. And how is my, that offered? Is it offered over Zoom or is it uh, like through the phone? Uh, it is actually, it's actually offered over um, WebEx. They, oh, okay. Last year they used Zoom, but they've, they found they've got too many interested students and they've gone over the top number limits of, oh, of okay. Zoom. So they've moved to WebEx and they do that for the online part of it and for the distribution of materials because they they send out audio recordings video recordings uh documents a lot of extra material they're using the google classroom app uh, last year they used the itunes u app but apple has announced that they are going to um not terminate but but freeze the itunes u yeah. Great presentation, Wayne. Thanks so much. I just want to elaborate, if you could, please, on interaction. Do you have to interact with an element to learn what's in it? For example, if you arrived at a table, is it just going to say table, or does it at least give you the first row so you can glean what the contents is before you interact with it? Or if you come to a heading, is it just say heading, or does it read it to you so you know the substance of the heading or the table or whatever the element is? It will if you, I'm not sure about a table. I know with a heading and with a paragraph, it will actually read out. Like if I, if I, if I went, uh, be all right there on came to a paragraph, it would start reading the whole paragraph. Um, then if I wanted to get, you know, but sometimes you're listening to the long paragraph and you, you can't pick it all up. You want to find out, you want to read it more slowly, well, then you'd interact and go through the paragraph. When it comes to a heading, I think it says, uh, it says the, uh, this will be, I've, I have Safari open here. I'm pretty certain it does. I'm just going to, uh, I'm opening it now and going. Not. I'm pretty yeah, no, sure it, it does. Read it out. Yeah. That's it. it reads things like yeah. like uh, like in it. Windows, yeah. Jerry. It'll read those yeah. things. It's just if you yeah. want to spell them out or yeah. And it, go so you're not guessing. I know what he was worried about. That you're going to guess. Okay, do I need to interact here? Because all the thing is heading and link. No, it actually reads out the text associated with that. I 
kind of like and interact, and it took me a while to sort of kind of think of this, but I, t I think of interacting similar to forms mode or going into object view mode with JAWS or NVDA yeah. and kind of that way, because it, uh, it, it, because like with text fields, you always normally always have to interact with it as well too. So I kind of thought of interacted as a more complex version of forms mode if, if for people that are kind of thinking about it because because you interacting you have to interact with more of the page elements as well too. But uh, I I did find that you can use the voiceover commands to jump to headings or tables without interacting with those and it'll tell you that it's a, if the yeah. table is marked up properly on the website it'll still tell you it's a table with uh, with three columns and 20 rows, for instance, for example. So, yeah. and then you can interact with it to use your table navigation, voiceover table navigation commands as well, so. Is yeah. if you want to slow down the speech, which I like when I'm finding a phone number, let's say on a website, and I wanna connect with the people, and I'm going, oh, that went way too fast when I'm listening to it. So I want to slow it down so that I can call. And I'm not sure if it's VO command and shift or VO and shift or I've done it. Like I keep fiddling around with those four keys. Um, and sometimes I get it and sometimes I don't. What you do when you come to a phone number, sometimes it'll be a link. Sometimes it'll just be a standalone paragraph. Interact mm -hmm. to your key to your hear it say text. So uh, like VO shift down arrow might say link, then do it again and it will say text. And then just by using your right and left arrow, you can go letter by like six, one, three, two, you know, and that will help you because it is, if it's a long phone number and it's reading it out fast, it's, it's hard to follow. But when you interact with it down to the text level, you can use the arrows to read a character by character. Oh, you do it with the text. Okay. So the, yeah, so on the, on, that's what I do anyway. On my uh, on the Mac, I will interact till I'm in the text itself. Mm -hmm. And then I can read it. Yeah. The other way with interaction is I thought of another example. Somebody might have touched on it. If you're using NVDA and uh, you're holding down the NVDA key and using the number pad on a, on a full-size computer, you can use the like four and six keys and you're going back and forth between items. And then you hit the nine key and you're going down into the item. I don't know if I explained it, but I don't use NVDA that often. And that's sort of like interacting. And you use the two key and you're coming up and out of the item. Then by using the four and six, which are your, like your right and left arrows, you're going back and forth. If anybody's a heavy NVDA user, Similar. Whenever I do that, it reminds me of interaction. Do you keep your nav, uh, whatever you call those, the left quick and nav. right arrows? I quick nav. I usually have those on most of the time. I but, don't. I'll tell you why. Oh, because okay. my computer started doing some weird stuff, and I couldn't figure out why. Like <laughs> when I was using music and iTunes, I used to be able to use first letter like if I got a long list of artists and if I want to get to, uh, you know, something in the middle, beginning right. with, let's say K, I don't want to scroll down, I'll press K and it'll jump to it. And I couldn't uh -huh. figure out why it wasn't doing it. And then I realized I had QuickNav on. And QuickNav was using the, taking that K to mean something else. But it turns out with QuickNav, and I only learned this recently, if you press, you can have QuickNav on 
and press the VLTs and Q, and that will turn off first letter navigation, but keep quick nav on. So I, oh. I've got to play around with that to see if that works. There's oh. always stuff to learn on it, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. Because yeah. I still, I, I used to be able to jump to headers by using VO and H, but yeah. for some reason it's not doing it. And I oh, don't VO know if it's... You gotta put, if, you don't have, if you don't have v quick nav command. on, you got to push the VO command, command. and H, H. or VO oh. and L will jump in. But if yeah. I have the quick nav on, shouldn't it go directly to? Yeah, but you, if it's not doing that, you might have first letter navigation off. So just oh, when you have, have quick nav on, then press the VO and Q key to see if it says. First letter navigation on, first letter navigation okay. on. I, I prefer the verbal skills of the Mac when I can dictate. I seem to uh, do much better. And I was just wondering what you see forecast in the future because I'm, as a Star Trek fan, I just always love the idea of saying, computer, do this. And I'd love yeah. the idea of taking my Mac beyond all the keystrokes and just be able to manage it and manage uh, my workflow using my voice. And I'm just wondering what you see coming up or do you know what's coming up? Because that's really important to me. I, I don't know, but uh, I'm sure they are going to move more and more towards voice. I mean, they've integrated Siri into the Mac now, but it's, in my mind, I don't use Siri that much on the Mac, to be honest. Uh, I don't use dictation much on the Mac. I use it on my phone a lot because I've been typing since I was in grade nine. So I can type pretty fast and I prefer just typing on the keyboard. I, I think, Heather, I think it's coming because of what they've done with voice control on the phone. And they're kind of trying to integrate the systems more. So my feeling is it's going to, they're going to do more of that. And you're going to get to the point where you'll say, computer, create a Word document for me or something and, yeah. and be able to do it. Can Siri open apps on the Mac, Heather? Does oh, yeah. Siri open? yeah. Oh, you mm -hmm. do that. I, okay. I yes. use it sometimes to say open. Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll-free at 1-877-304-0968. You can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to gttsupport plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.net.